It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome again. Matt Hausman, your host for the Smart Money Questions Podcast and smartmoneyquestions.com. Make sure to check out our website there. A lot of good information there. And what I try and do is a couple times a month is record and go over some things that have happened either recently talking on the phone with clients or people looking to engage us, meeting in the office, maybe some emails that have come over on our website and go through those certain situations that I really think are going to be valuable to make sure that we are helping you with increasing your knowledge and knowing the right questions to ask. Because, you know, I always remember hearing when I was a kid, you know, a teacher would say, well, there's no dumb questions. And we would kind of all like look at each other because some of the times (laughs) the questions we would hear. And even now when I go to conference, I'm like, really? But the reality is sometimes we can be asking a question that is a good question, but not necessarily for the situation that we're really having. And so we want to make sure that when we talk about the smart money questions is that we're talking about the questions that are really going to be important and needed to be answered in the correct way to make sure that we are making a fully informed decision. So with that, I got a couple of questions today that I think will be really good to help us with that and kind of look at the way the question came over and maybe some additional things, because usually that's what it is, is we ask the first question and then we need to have follow-up questions based on the answers that we are seeing. So before I jump into that, let's make sure we deal with the disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmat.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30 minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low key, go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. Okay, so the first question comes to us from Andy, and Andy is down in North Carolina, and his question is this, I'm selling one of my rental properties in the next month or two, and I don't have any plans to buy another one. That's an important point. What's the best thing to do with the money from that sale? So one of the things that we want to look at real quick is he's talking about rental properties, not his primary property. The other thing he says is I do not have plans to buy another one. That's an important point right there because in the event he was looking to buy another one, there are certain strategies that he could mitigate or completely eliminate any taxes that would be due on the property 
that he's selling. I'll probably need to spend a, a whole podcast on that. I won't go through that right now. But Andy, one of the things that I would tell you, your next question is, what's the best thing to do with the money from the sale of that property? First of all, is how much money are you going to have to invest? Well, the first thing we want to look at is what is going to be the tax obligation when I look to sell that property? It's real important to understand that with rental property, not only could we have a capital gain issue, but we also have to repay the depreciation that we have been recognizing, or at least hopefully recognizing, on that rental property year after year after year. It's real important to understand that. I always talk, I get this question many times from our clients, and that is the idea of getting into real estate and what does that look like? And you really want to be strategic in doing that. So it sounds to me like, Andy, you have multiple properties because of the way the question is posed. And whenever I'm talking to real estate investors that are looking to now liquidate those properties, understanding the tax obligation is extremely important because many times, and keep this in mind, it's so important to understand when the IRS is looking to tax you. So Andy, I would, I'm going to use your situation. I'm going to look to sell a rental property I've had for quite a while. The IRS does not care, or in this case, also the state of North Carolina, or I'm in Pennsylvania or Delaware, it doesn't matter. They don't care about outstanding debt. They are only looking at what you purchased it for, how long you have owned it, how much depreciation has gone down, and then they are looking to calculate the tax cost on the sale or the potential recognition of a capital gain on that. Many times I've had people come in and they didn't understand, well, I had a mortgage on the property and I had to pay the mortgage off. I didn't realize after that, that I was also going to have a tax bill because they were only looking at the property through one lens, which was debt versus the income coming in from the rentals. Not only are you responsible for that, but you also are responsible for the IRS and paying them back any type of potential capital gain and also the depreciation. So Andy, make sure that you are really looking at that and you then can say, okay, now I have this bucket of money. What do I want to invest it in? And what I would tell you to look at is look at where your assets are, look at them from a tax perspective, from a risk perspective, and where is the best place to put that piece of the puzzle into your overall plan? If you're not looking to buy additional rentals, does that mean you're looking to get out of the rental business or look to liquidate other properties if you have them? Because one of the strategic things you could do is you're going to liquidate over time. Many times we tell clients that are in this situation, we want to look to liquidate properties over the course of numerous tax years to hopefully be able to mitigate the tax obligation that's going to be due on the capital gain. With regards to now where to invest it, we look at their overall financial plan. Where are some places that we should be adding additional money? If I'm going to, let's say, take part of this money and put it into a brokerage account, how risky am I going to create those underlying investments within the brokerage account? 
If I don't have enough money in my emergency fund, maybe I need to use part of this to put there. Maybe if I'm getting close to retirement and part of this liquidation strategy is going to be creating income for me over a course of time, well, now we want to invest that a little bit differently than saying, let's just put money into a brokerage account. So what I would tell you to do, Andy, is first of all, let's make sure that we understand completely how much is going to be yours at the end of the day after selling this property. So we really want to do some tax planning to make sure we know how much we're going to owe Uncle Sam and then how much is going to be left for some type of an investment. It reminds me of a story. I have some clients who have multiple rental properties and they had, they've been talking to me over the course of the last couple of years. Maybe they want to get out of the business. They don't want to be in the rental business anymore. They're done being landlords. And we started analyzing you know, what was going to be the tax obligation when they started liquidating these properties. And, and they were, quite frankly, they were pretty shocked. In one case, they'd owned the properties for quite a while, I think over 20 years. And when they looked at, and they're down in Delaware, and when we looked at the tax obligation, it was going to be about 28% of what the capital gain and the repayment of the depreciation was going to be when they sold that property. Well, that, and I'm talking about 28% of the sale price. So that's going to have a huge effect on what they're actually going to put in their pocket. So we did some further tax planning, looking further down the line, some estate planning. Maybe it doesn't make sense to unload that right now. Now, if you're in a situation where you have to do it, then you're just going to have to bite the bullet, but at least you went into it knowing you know, so I got to make those quarterly payments to make sure I get that into the IRS and, and wherever your state is, if there's state income taxes. But then you can have an idea on what is actually yours. You guys hear me talk about this all the time. It is so important. You know, I had a gentleman in my office literally this morning, speaking of tax planning, and this actually kind of goes to, I can kind of talk about what Andy's talking about here and the idea of how much money do I'm, am I going to have to invest. And this gentleman was in talking to me about Roth conversions. He had come to a workshop I had recently done where I was going over extensively what Roth conversion strategies look like. And his comment was, you know, I guess I, I've never looked at how much of my money that's in my 401k is really going to be mine. And now that he's starting to do the math and he's talking to his accountant, well, if I retire in two years and I start taking this amount of money out, what's really going to be in my pocket? And where should I be redirecting funds? And, and my simple conversation with him was, hey, listen, the reality is you can put money into the 401k, the traditional 401k today, and whatever the tax rate is later and whatever your income needs are later is going to be your tax cost when you start to withdraw it. Or you can pay taxes now and either put it into a Roth where if you have that opportunity at work or a traditional Roth, if you qualify for that, I told him, if it's me, I'm paying the taxes today to not worry about the taxes in the future. And he goes, well, with the Roth conversion, how much do I pay? That's a great question. How much, and I, my response to him was, However aggressive you want to be, wherever you think the tax code is going to go in the future, I would tell you to really look to convert as much as you can, be willing to stroke Uncle Sam a check. Because Andy, no different than you looking to sell this real estate, this non-primary resident, the reality is you're going to have a tax cost. 
and you want to understand what that is. Understand, Uncle Sam is always going to make sure that they are getting your money on gain, or in this case, in the 401k, because you got tax relief when you put the money in, they're going to expect their money on the way back out the door. So the tax planning part is so essential. So if we go back to Andy's second question was, what's the best thing to do with the money from the sale? First of all, we got to know how much is going to be from the sale. How much is really going to be mine? And then we can look at overall financial planning. Where where do I need to plug some of this money in based on what its purpose is, based on what my needs are? So then we can look at traditional brokerage. Maybe you have, Andy, maybe you have the opportunity to contribute part of that money into a Roth. Maybe you have uh, other investments that you want to put it in. Maybe you need to fund your emergency fund because you don't have enough there. So all those different areas are where you can look to invest. But the first thing, the first question that he had was he's looking to sell it and not buy another one. That tells me right off the bat, the question that isn't being asked here that we need to ask, how much am I going to owe Uncle Sam and the state? So Andy, that's a great question. Thanks for sending that in. I know I kind of went off on a little tangent there, but hopefully you guys can recognize how important tax planning is. And here's another one. This is Helen from Kansas. And that is, are there really no tax implications to rolling over my 401k? I don't really like the investment options in my 401k, but I don't want to roll it over and then get hit with a big tax bill I wasn't expecting. Helen, this is a great question. I get this question a lot. First of all, are there really no tax implications in rolling over the 401k? No, there are not, as long as it is done correctly. First of all, Helen, you're going to want to reach out. Obviously, it sounds like you have and find out what is your company's 401k policy on doing what's called an in-service transfer. What that means is you're still working there and you're going to transfer part of that 401k out to an IRA in your name. You want to find a custodian you know, a Fidelity, a Vanguard, a TDA, somewhere or a bank where you can establish a traditional IRA rollover account. And then the paperwork that your 401k company is going to provide, they are strictly going to treat this as an in-service withdrawal where you are able to list who the custodian is that you are sending it to. That's the key. And potentially, uh, many of them will add an account number on there. And so I'm going to use, let's use uh, TD Ameritrade. And that's the custodian. So in the paperwork I'm going to fill out, it's going to say it's an in-service transfer. I'm going to click that. I'm over the age of 59 and a half. Usually that's the earliest it can begin. Second of all is I'm going to put that it is going to a IRA rollover account. If it doesn't say rollover, it might just say IRA account, or it might say an IRA transfer account. Then it's going to ask who the custodian is. In this case, it's TDA Ameritrade. I'm going to put that on there, or whoever the custodian is, you want to make sure to discuss it with them. How do they want that rollover check titled? And then right underneath there, so TDA TD Ameritrade, FBO, for the benefit of, let's say me, Matt Hausman. And then from there, what that means is, is I never received or took constructive receipt of the money. 
it is on my behalf to go to the custodian where I have established that rollover account. And then, Helen, to your point, if you don't like the investment options that you have in the 401k, which many times that is, you know, that's part of the, you know, the things that aren't that great about the 401k because we don't have all of the options there. Many times it's, you know, restricted to 40 or 60 investment options is that then once you get it where you have decided to put it now, depending on where that is, you can have just an unbelievable amount of investment options where you now can take advantage of those and you haven't created any tax obligation on that transfer rollover. But it's really important to make sure that you are establishing the account first. You want to have that IRA account established, that the documentation from your 401k company is asking for the custodian as to where it's being sent, and most importantly, that it is being treated as an IRA rollover. It's extremely important to make sure that that's done. I would also make sure many times they will have the number that you're able to do this now because you are over the age of 59 and a half, which will not trigger any type of tax penalty in doing that. This is very similar. So, Helen, I'm going to also say, well, let's say that you have an old 401k. You're no longer working there. You can do the same thing with those even before 59 and a half because you have severed service. And then it's the same process. That's a 401k. So they're going to have their own process in place as to how to transfer that rollover. You need to have an IRA account established. It can be the same one. And you can roll that over there where it goes directly to the custodian. Many times they'll still send the check to you, but it's made out to the custodian for your benefit. So that is the way that you will get around any type of a tax implication on 401k rollovers. But very important to recognize the steps that have to go into place to make sure that there aren't any tax obligations. And by the way, when you get the check, If it is sent to you, this is where you can confirm that it was made out correctly. You're going to, again, you're going to see the custodian name. You're going to see FBO and your name, and then you're going to get that directly to the custodian that you have chose. So real important to make sure that those steps are done correctly. All right. So the last question I have, and this comes up all the time. And it comes from Jay down in Delaware. And actually, I was just talking with some clients of mine that just recently retired. Well, retired within the last like six to nine months. And it kind of is the same thing that Jay is talking about. And it says, ever since I retired, I've had a really hard time spending money. Something about not having a paycheck makes me nervous. Do I need a shrink? (laughs) I don't know if you need a shrink, Jay, but I get that question all the time. And you guys know, I think it was a year and a half ago, I think it was, I did a podcast specifically on spend it or save it. And it is important to recognize, yes, we've been working for, you know, 30, 35, 40 years, and we've been used to that paycheck. You know, if we have been in the working sector, that's what's happened all those times. And all of a sudden now we are retired, which just to let you know, go back to my, what I consider retired. And that is, I'm no longer getting that paycheck. Uh, Maybe now I'm getting a pension check, maybe, or, you know, and social security, if I've already decided to take social security and then whatever my assets are is what I'm going to 
start to draw down on. And Jay, what I would tell you to help you be able to see if you can spend the money is make sure that you have a written out distribution plan. You know when you're taking money at a certain investment, you understand when you do, are there tax issues there? When did you take Social Security? What are your spending needs? Many times when people first retire, it's interesting, uh, Jay, you said, I've just, re- I ha- it's hard time spending money because I've recently retired. Many times that's when people are spending more money and then they will later on in life because of the bucket list, the lifestyle, the things that they've always wanted to go and do. And I would tell you that you want to analyze how much you need. And I usually tell people to look at your budget, if you will, in three different categories. One is just keep the lights on. The other one is going to be lifestyle and bucket list. And then the last one is going to be charities, legacies, and wishes. Divide those into three and then realize that many times the lifestyle and the bucket list is going to be falling off in five, seven, eight, nine years. You're not going to be needing, you, you know, you've already checked off a lot of the bucket list items. There isn't going to be a desire to keep doing that. But you're not going to know if you're on track or if you're worried about continuing to spend that money unless you have looked at a distribution plan. What does that look like? What are my income needs? Where's my income coming from? And so we can, you can pretty much look at, there's only like four places that you can really have income coming in to, well, really five, I guess. One of them is going to be social security. We know that. When am I triggering that? One of them is going to be if I am entitled to, or I have access to a pension. The other one is maybe I have a part-time job. The other one is I have rental income. And then the last one is my investable assets and drawing down on those assets. So Jay, I would say you don't necessarily need to shrink. You just need to sit down and analyze where all your money is and how much makes sense for you to be drawing down now that you are retired. So hopefully that helps you, Jay. Listen, everyone, I hope this has been valuable and helpful for you. If you have a question or scenario that you would like for us to address on the show, or if you would just like to have a personal conversation with me, you can do that simply by going to uh, smartmoneyquestions.com. You can submit the questions there. What you'll see also is that you can see a Speak With Matt. My online calendar is there. You can schedule a 15 or 30-minute conference call. Feel free to take advantage of that. You can also email us at info at smartmoneyquestions.com. So listen, everyone, that's all I have for today. I hope it has been valuable and informational for you, and we look to talk to you soon. All right, everyone, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.